Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. It is never too late to start a business. And today's guest is testament to that and won many awards is Karen Saul and the founder of Good Wash Day. So Karen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Nicole. Lovely to be here. So what is Good Wash Day? What is the product? The product is organic jersey cotton hair towels. So if you imagine your softest, most comfortable T-shirt, which is the kind of fabric we should be using to dry our hair over terry towels and over microfiber towels. So they're regular shape, size towels, but made from organic jersey cotton. And you started the business in 2021 at the age of 52 after recently finishing a business degree and working for an e-com startup. Tell us about your background. Were you surrounded by entrepreneurs? Was this something that you'd always wanted to do? Or was was it a problem that you thought, I'm going to solve this? A little bit of both, really. So it's actually my third business. The first business I had 11 years ago was in, I was an eBay trading assistant. And I used to go around and sell things for other people. And I loved it because I loved the really raw kind of hearing the money ping in. So I used to love that end of auction type fight to win the item. So I stopped that business because we moved to Singapore. It was doing so well. And then I did my business degree and I was going to set up as a proofreader and I pitched to the place where I did my degree and they were my first client and that was going quite well but then this startup opportunity came so I wasn't really surrounded by entrepreneurs but I think I've just always had that kind of tenacity thinking outside the box kind of mindset but I wanted to buy this type of hair town and I couldn't find one anywhere so I just thought one evening I'm going to start a business. And so really, in answer to your question, the two married together, my background of a little bit of sort of that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, plus wanting to buy something that I couldn't find. And what made you look for this type of product in the first place? I stopped straightening my hair in lockdown after 21, 25 years. And I kept, I didn't know how to look after my natural hair. I didn't even really know that I had wavy slash curly hair I just thought I had difficult hair because that's what we're often told as kids if our hair doesn't behave and I kept reading one of the first things we should do is switch out our towel because regular towels are really drying they're, they're they're really bumpy so they cause friction which causes frizz and damage and shedding and all of these sorts of things so I wanted to buy this kind of product because I kept reading, okay, step number one on getting your hair as healthy as possible, which is what looking after curls and waves is all about, should be um, to switch out your towel. So tell us about those early days, the research, trying to find the right product, the suppliers, that side of things. 
So I knew I didn't want microfiber, which is obviously tiny beads of plastic that are found in our body and in the oceans and everywhere else. I knew I wanted to be an ethical brand. I knew nothing about fabrics. I We were in lockdown. I couldn't go into a, into a shop and have a feel. I did a lot of online research, but had to get a lot of samples sent to me from different UK suppliers. And there's so many types of cotton. I had no idea. And so many different types of thread and stitch. And then whichever stitch you're using requires a certain sewing machine. And oh my goodness, it was a brilliant project because it kind of got me through that crazy time. But the weight of the fabric and the ethos of the fabric was really important. So I tried one fabric and the weight was too heavy and it gave me a headache. So I I sort of just narrowed it down really to, okay, I want organic jersey cotton. That's important because where the cotton is grown in Turkey, the whole supply chain, both environmentally and socially, is protected by this organic standard. So there's no child labour, there's no forced labour there's a fair wage, the water waste is tr- has to be treated. So the local communities don't have water with toxins. You know, there are no toxins because it's organic cotton. Yeah. So that was really important that the fabric It's quite a simple product, but the research that's gone into it is really. And what about the customer research side of things? So obviously you wanted this product. How did you yeah. know that other people were going to want it as well? This is probably the worst possible advice because I didn't do any kind of customer research other than I had been on forums reading that people were using t-shirts because there wasn't really a hair towel made of that fabric I was using my son's t-shirt and we were both well I mean that that's research in in a way definitely I mean it's such a great source because you can see the conversations and the back and forth and this is what I do and this is what I do you know and it's a great way place to ask questions as well in a forum You know, and, and I just think that, I that done, listening, you know. Yeah, but that had sort of come before almost. <laughs> that had come before I'd even had the idea. And and when I had the idea, I remember we were watching a film with the family on a Saturday night and it just popped into my head and I just couldn't get rid of it. And I said to James, my husband, you know, shall I, shall I do it? And he was like, yeah, go for it. But I was thinking... What if nobody buys it? But but I think in my mind, I must have retrospectively known this is a massive thing in the curly hair community that people use T-shirts. But actually, and I'm now approved by a trichologist because it's great for all hair types and people with hair loss and things. So I'm on a bit of a mission to change how we dry our hair. I think there's a lot more awareness about scalp and hair loss and you know, all of that kind of thing is seems to be coming through. There's a lot more products that are coming out that are for the scalp. And then that's obviously yours complements that with the, yes. you know, helping ease hair loss and, and that kind of thing. So within the startup side of things, what were your startup costs? My startup costs were, I think we invested 15,000 initially. And that was obviously a lot of fabric manufacturing I I really went all in on branding. I used to work in the startup I worked for. I worked with a brilliant lady who then had went on to have her own business as a graphics designer. And so I absolutely knew I needed her to do my branding. So she did my branding for me. I, I wanted to really, I know a lot of people say you don't have to have all this stuff figured out, but I needed good branding, good photography, because it's quite a hard concept to get over. It's a very Instagrammable, visually 
you know, you can imagine beautiful shots with hair towels on heads in nice bright colours. So I really didn't scrimp on that. I didn't want to have to rebrand in three years time. I just thought, do it once, do it right. So a lot of my costs were around building my stock levels and yeah, branding and photography, basically. Did you build up to a launch or how did you manage that? Were you selling from day one? Was it slow to start? I mean, it's still quite a young brand. And I know you're winning awards and you've been nominated yeah. for as well. Yeah. I know Trini is a is a firm favorite of, uh, yeah. of your products as well. So how did that growth start? So I started, I built my own Shopify website because I've also got an eye uh, in my late 20s. I was a Microsoft systems engineer. So I pulled on all of my skills, basically. So I built a Shopify website, but I knew that Etsy was probably going to be a really good place to get traction because until your people are actually visiting your website, which obviously requires a social media following and good SEO and all of those things, whereas Etsy, whilst the fees are a lot higher, they do do a lot of that for you. And also Amazon. So the previous e-commerce brand I worked for, we sold on Amazon. So I had a lot of Amazon skills and you can't really do a course in that. A lot of it's learning on the job. But I knew that Etsy, people were already looking for this product. So that's where I started from the idea to the launch was three months. And I learned a really valuable lesson because I launched too soon. My So my first batch of towels were made by a brilliant local seamstress and she does tailoring and all sorts of things. It was was mostly my fault that I had messed up the labels, basically, the buying of the labels, the care labels. So I was, because I'm such an action-oriented person, I had already listed them before I'd seen the absolute finished product and I wasn't happy with them because they are a luxe product you know then they're not the cheapest towels you'll ever buy so I needed them to be top-notch and I'd messed up the labels and that was so so stressful I remember getting I'd had a few back and they were fine but then I got this massive batch back and I just remember crying for about two hours it was so stressful and then I just went into action mode I cut all the labels out and I sold some as seconds without labels and then I gifted loads to people in the cancer community because I just had an inkling that these are probably going to be really helpful if you've suffered hair loss and regrowth and a sore scalp as you said so Etsy was my first platform but then I sort of really worked to build my website because the fees are so much lower on Shopify and now about 85% of my sales come through my website which is brilliant. Are you mainly direct consumer then other than Etsy or do you have wholesale accounts? No, I'm all direct to consumer. With wholesale, you know, because they want to take, generally they want to buy around 50% and I just don't have the margins. I'm growing beautifully. And every month I work so hard to tweak my margins, you know, because my towels also are handmade in the UK. I've now got two manufacturers who make them. I don't have that wiggle room in the margins so and actually direct to consumer works really well for me I sell all over the world you know and I'm a control freak I it's really important to me how my towel arrives with my customer and their and their experience with the brand so I do all that myself still and what do you think has been the best investment that you've made along the way so far are you ready to scale your e-commerce store want to do it without having to wear yet another hat and become a digital marketing expert This episode is brought to you by Neon Digital Clicks, the paid traffic partner for family and women's e-commerce brands wanting to scale their stores from five-figure to six-figure months using Meta, Google, and Klaviyo marketing services. 
Neon is offering listeners a free scaling audit worth £3,000. So whether your sales have plateaued or you're looking for growth, this is a great opportunity to lift the lid on your business and identify where the opportunities are hiding. Head to scalingglow.com to discover just how much revenue you could scale your store to this year. Apart from the branding and the photography, as I said, I love my label printer. It sounds so trivial, but I can't believe I used to hand write labels. So I've got this brilliant label printer, Mabel the label. And it was, I think it was like 150 quid or something. At the time, she felt so expensive, but actually the the amount of time it saves. So that, that seems like a trivial one, but it's one of those things that you just feel, oh, it's been a game changer. I wouldn't be able to operate now without Mabel. And are you doing the fulfillment yourself at the moment yeah. as well? So I pack at my kitchen table. A couple of times I've had friends come and help me and I and I pay them, obviously. But I have looked into fulfillment and I don't think I'm going to go down that route, not in the UK anyway. I always sort of think about doing things a bit differently. And my plan would be to have college students or uni students or or mums who need flexible work to come and and pack at my table with me or if I'm not there as and when I need it I'm that's how I'm imagining the business would grow will grow because obviously it's it's got to be scalable right so I might go down the fulfillment room but again I'm so frugal with with everything because I have to be so I'd have to pass that cost on to the customer and I just You know, I just had to VAT register. So I've had to, I didn't pass all that cost on, but obviously had to pass some of that cost on. So yeah, I'm I'm constantly thinking, and also my business comes in waves. If I get a big mention on Instagram, it goes absolutely nuts. But the rest of the time, I don't need someone to fulfill them. And I really enjoy doing it myself. And would you say now that you're recently VAT registered, is that something that you wish at the beginning, even though you didn't need to VAT register, that you had built that cost in? at the beginning that 20 percent yeah and I think there's such a value in knowing the value of your product and I think I shied away from sort of charging too much I felt almost embarrassed that okay this is what I'm going to have to charge so they started at 25 pounds and we are three years in now and actually the price of organic jersey cotton has gone up a lot because of what's going on in the world and energy prices etc so I'm now at 30 pounds and I'm comfortable at 30 pounds I'm comfortable that my margins are, are good but they're not you know, they don't have loads of wiggle room. It feels fair to me. It feels fair to the customer. So yeah, I probably could have done, but I also think if you're launching without a massive budget, you need customers. I knew if I could get my towels into customers' hands, they likely love them. So it was just about building a little bit of good faith and a bit of a reputation before I kind of charged what I needed to charge really. And on the flip side of that, what do you think has been your worst investment? So I have done a couple of marketing spends which I, I I dabbled with PR and that didn't work out and it's hard to say it didn't work out because I still get press it was a one-off event that yeah. where a company pitched two journalists in a room and it was all done in zoom now and then I had to send about 30 towels out and I still see that I'm in the press sometimes very rarely and it'll be just a little mention which is fine it all adds with your SEO and your domain authority and everything when you've got a tiny marketing budget, you're always thinking about the, you know, the opportunity cost and what else you could do with that money. So PR, I've kind of steered away from because, again, I just don't have the budget to to do it. And I think I could have probably done Facebook ads for six months or something and had a better 
outcome. And also just now I did Christmas fairs and that was an investment because I had to buy a square machine and I wanted one, a fancy one that printed receipts and I had to get a banner, all of the sort of point of sale type stuff. And I didn't do very well at the Christmas fairs. And do you think that was, so obviously that was the time investment of that away from you being yeah. in the business and being, you know, and people that you've had to probably get involved to do your kind of thing when you were at the yeah. Christmas fairs. Do you think it was with the Christmas fairs that it wasn't your target market or why don't you think that they worked for you? So I did two different ones in eight days and I decided really last minute, uh, you know, and I just went for it. They were my target market. They were quite different ones. I was surprised that I didn't do so well, but I think it was more because people, it's not obvious what my product is and trying to display it so that it doesn't look like scarves, for example. And at one point I had one on my head for a couple of hours, but that worked quite well. But people find me online because they know what they're looking for. Or there's an education piece, which is what I talk, what I use Instagram and Pinterest for. And there's a lot of word of mouth. A lot of people buy towels as gifts and then recipients come back and they buy more for themselves and and gifts. And I just think, and this is probably true of the Zoom PR event as well. You know, I need to really talk to people about it. And I think at the fairs, I was up against earrings or handbags or different things that is really obvious what they are. Um, I did have a lot of customers actually from my kind of age group who were buying for daughters and granddaughters, which I thought was really interesting. That really surprised me. I know they do online, but they were really open to learning about, oh, what's this then? Yeah, that was good. And what about pop-ups? Have you done any pop-ups like with Great Brand Exchange and John Lewis or anything like that? No, I was accepted by John Lewis to do one about 18 months ago. I spoke to two or three brands who had done it. One was candles, one was a hair hair bands and things. And they both said what what I had naturally thought, which was it, you've got to treat it as a marketing exercise because they take quite a big cut, which is fine. You're in their space. You don't get to choose where you are. So I'd want to be bottom of the escalator. Someone I knew was in the kitchen wares where they do the demos and, and, and it wasn't a kitchen wares product. And again, it's a lot of time away from the business. So I worked out, I shouldn't have worked it out. The Christmas fairs was 60 hours and I worked out the spend as well. And, and, but it's all a learning process, but I just wouldn't do the John Lewis. I don't think because I've realized I'm probably going to have the same issue. I can spend that time and money boosting my online business where people can read all the reviews. I've got 750 800 reviews across various platforms and people need to be able to see what people are saying yeah I do think you working out the cost is a great exercise because you can then really in black and white decide whether it's worth you doing it or not you know and what your kind of return on on investment is so next Christmas you know right okay that money I would have spent maybe I'll use that to increase my ad spend in the run-up to Black Friday or whatever it might be and just you might not decrease you know go do promotion on Black Friday but you've got so much more people online that are in that shopping mood that you know you can catch that new customer or that repeat customer then you know that's a great opportunity as well what do you think have been your greatest challenges along the way so far it's definitely customer awareness, making customers aware of my product and the benefits. 
And I have been really fortunate that some people with a big following have got my product, have bought my product, love my product. That definitely gives me a boost. And I'm always really grateful when I get shared in that way. Generally, I know most people are going to benefit from the, well, everyone with hair or even everyone with hair loss is going to benefit from the product. But how do I let them know when I don't have a massive budget? Because I know I've been told that sort of you need to spend a grand a month on on meta advertising, you know, to have any impact. And I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't have that kind of money to spend on meta advertising. So it's always the awareness, always. How, how are people finding you? So a lot of people, a lot of my business comes from Instagram and Pinterest. I do all my social media myself. I do everything myself apart from manufacturing and even things like, okay, I'm going to do this Canva image and a post in Instagram, but then I then I like to resize it so that it's optimal for Pinterest and Google My Business, you know, and sometimes LinkedIn and, and Facebook, you know, and it's just so time consuming. But most of my business comes from Instagram. Also repeat buyers, my repeat buyer rate, I did not expect a really high repeat buyer rate because I thought once people have got one or two, you know, it's a luxe product, they'll be good to go. But no, at certain times of the year, my repeat buyer rate is about 40%, which is really good. But then Mm. I also think my husband's always, he's so encouraging, but he's also the voice of reason. He's like, yeah, but that means you've got to reach more new people because, you know, so obviously that, that that's a thing as well. But I'm not a shampoo or a conditioner where someone's repurchasing every three months. I mean, one lady's bought 28 Jesus. Of my towels. Yeah, because she's got four children. So she's adult children. So she's bought for them. And then she's bought for grandchildren, friends. I just think that speaks volumes. I'm so grateful. Absolutely. And what have been your pinch me moments? So I applied to go on Trini's elevator pitch and I had sent her a towel because I always like someone to try a towel. And if I'm sending a towel to a PR company, um, because I'll do that, I'll ask if people will accept PR samples. So I I engage with PR companies, obviously, and I think they, you know, do really valid work. I just don't have the budget to do a big campaign. But I'd sent Trini a towel and I didn't know whether or not she had used it and Then I was, we hadn't yet recorded the elevator pitch. No, we had recorded it. It hadn't gone live. And then about a month later, I was laying in bed. It was eight o'clock on a Tuesday morning. I can remember the exact date. And I was watching Trini's stories and she was in the shower washing her hair. And it was quite, you know, I was only a year into my business. So it was, no, was it last year? Two years, two years. And uh, so, so, you know, it's still quite up and down. And and I was, I, in my head, I was thinking, oh, Trini, I wish you'd wear, use your towel because I know you've got it. And she then said, I'm not going to use a towel on my hair. I'm going to use this from this brand, Good Wash Day. And I literally could have fallen out, out of bed. I ran downstairs. I said to James, oh my God, oh my God. And she wore it for about 20 minutes on her stories and was doing her skincare routine. So in one of the benefits is it stays on your head. I've got a lady who does yoga, downward facing dog in it, because it's so lightweight, it stays on your head. So she was showing it beautifully because she was, you know, bending down, doing all her skincare. And then she popped up at her hairdressers and was telling him about it. And that, I don't think I've quite had a pinch me moment as big as that. That was just absolutely phenomenal. And people said to me, Nicole, you've got to make the most of this. Get, you know, be all over Instagram. But I was terrified because I I had no idea what was going to happen next. And I was, you know, being a retailer, running out of stock is a nightmare. And I did Mm -hmm. run out of the pink because she was wearing the pink. 
people often buy what someone has has actually worn obviously it was terrifying and I almost hid away from it and also I spent I think I spent 24 hours out of 36 hours packing so I I was also really busy but I was so stressed now I've learned if something like that happens because she's mentioned it a lot of times and she's actually come back and bought some which I think speaks volumes because I would have gifted them but no she insisted you know I just kind of would embrace it now and I'd be like packing can wait a day I need to grow and this is one a good way to grow so that was a massive pinch me moment yeah she's a real advocate I've seen her a couple of times I remember watching one of her stories she was in Ibiza and she was wearing yeah. her hair curly and I yeah. think she mentioned it and uh, she mentioned another product as well and you know when she was Sorry, when she was embracing her curls as well, we were having some DMs back and forth. And I had said to her, because I do this thing where I put myself out there and then I say to to James, you know, oh, my God, what have I done? But I I said, if you want to do a a live, I'd happily do a live with you. And I thought we'd do a Zoom call. But she came back and said, oh, that's brilliant. Email my PA. And she gave me her PA's email. And then the next thing I'm going up there five days later to do a Facebook live. And, and that's another pinch me moment, which is why I mention it. It's like, cause I grew up watching Chinny and, and here, here we are, you know? So yeah, she's, bit, she's a massive supporter of female founders. And I think, you know, to your point of putting yourself out there and yes, it's scary. And you probably thought when you sent that email going, like you said, what have I done? What yeah. if this actually happens? Or, yes. you know, you get into that fear, you know, but then the opportunities that that's brought for your business and for your profile is it's fantastic. And what are the things that you want to start, stop and continue doing in the business? I want to start looking into overseas fulfillment and I need to decide on the marketplace or, or you know, the region, because a big barrier to entry for customers is obviously shipping fees but taxes as as well import duty so that's something I'm starting to look into now that's quite a big project because again I'm, I'm doing it all myself but I'll ask people for advice I want to stop I I love the numbers and if I'm not careful I find that I'm updating my spreadsheets every day and doing my zero reconciliations every day and and I'm my friend um who's got a business she calls it being a busy fool I want to stop being a busy fool and be much more because I'm a complete finisher and a recovering perfectionist. You know, I think I've got to keep everything up to date all of the time when actually what I should be doing is thinking, okay, a Friday morning is finance day or, you know, a few finance hours. So I want to stop being a busy fool, continue doing what I'm doing I think I mean I've my growth has been incredible that's not to say that it's been the last quarter has been really difficult and then because I don't do Black Friday leading up to Black Friday has been you can tell people are just holding off to see if you will I've had some customers email me to say would you so I think just more of the same really staying trying to stay positive when you are feeling like oh god no you know I need to reach more people how am I going to do it and just, yeah, just building on that resilience to get through the tough times, you know, and and just accepting that it's okay to have a few days out of the business if it's quiet and that's what you need to do. Yeah, rest and recoup. And yeah. where can people find Good Wash Day and you? So I'm Good Wash Day everywhere. So my website's goodwashday.com and I am Good Wash Day at Good Wash Day on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn, YouTube. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Karen. It Thank has been you. lovely to chat with you. And Thank I will you. be back again next week with another great guest. Thank you, Nicole.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Start, Scale, Succeed. If you've enjoyed today, I would love for you to leave a review and I will see you again next week. If you'd like to hear more from me, your host, Nicole Higgins, you can follow me on Instagram at The Buying Retail Coach. Check out my website, www.thebuyingretailcoach.com or find me on LinkedIn. All the links are below in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter, The Step, for lots of helpful tips and advice.